Meritocracy in an unequal society is a myth. Welcome back to a mini and special bonus episode of Everything is Public Health in between season three and four. I'm one of the hosts, MJ, and today we'll talk about some current events. Well, in the news at the time of recording, the Supreme Court is a hot mess right now. And with one crazy decision after another, one of those crazy decisions happened mere weeks ago with the student affair admission versus Harvard, in which for now effectively ended affirmative action. This will get spicy. Consider it a hot take. For the sake of thoroughness, what is affirmative action? Let's define it. So lift it straight from Wikipedia. Affirmative action is government-mandated, government-approved, and voluntary private-private programs granting special consideration to historically excluded groups, specifically racial minorities or women. The impetus was redressing the disadvantages associated with past and present discrimination. So that's affirmative action. And affirmative action was struck down in the Student Affairs Mission versus Harvard, which one thing that I'll give conservatives credit for is that they're very good at naming groups in a way that seems like they're on the good side. So, for example, students of fair admission, like, of course, of course, we want fair admissions for students. Like, who wouldn't want fair admission until you start digging, right? Same thing with pro-life. Like, of course, we want life. Of course, life is good. Like, of course, we want to be pro-life. But then you start digging and then you realize what they mean by pro-life is actually pro-birth. They actually don't care about life. They care about birth and covered this already in our abortion episodes. But, you know, my point is they're very good at naming things that disguises their true intention, if you will. So regarding affirmative action, I'm not going to talk about the intricacies of different affirmative action programs or the details of the controversies of the different approaches or the Supreme Court justice's opinion. All of that is outside my purview and qualification. But the hot take today is regarding the notion of meritocracy, which is at the core of this affirmative action debate. Recent polls show that Americans in general dislike affirmative action. There are nuances in their various reasons, of course, but the core of that dislike for affirmative action is because of this so-called quote-unquote meritocracy. The political right loves to spin this narrative because on the surface, it seems logical. Of course, we want to hire the best candidate or admit the best students. Like It's only fair if we judge the student based on merit, right? This is a fallacy, and let me tell you why. So first... I won't expound on this. The idea of, quote, judge all students based purely on merit, end quote, is already iffy and suspicious because we know for a fact that there are biases against marginalized groups and gender at every stage in which someone is being evaluated. Same resume, one has a conventionally black name, one has a conventionally white name. Guess which resume got more hits? Guess which resume got more invites to interview? Same thing happens in other fields. Women being passed up for promotion, people of color not being in the room where big decisions are being made because of purposeful exclusion. The list goes on. There are books, whole theses and papers written about biases and how they exclude historically marginalized groups. More often than not, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color, have to work extra hard and be exceptional just to be considered for the same position as someone else. Another example of how deeply unequal our world is, is legacy emission. What is legacy emission? And several schools still use this. Legacy emission is essentially, they will give you a 
preference if your parents attended the same institutions in the past. And geez, I wonder which group of people have traditionally been allowed access to elite higher education. And therefore, just by that, gives them a perhaps unfair advantage to people whose parents had those opportunities to attend those schools, right? Interesting how people who say things should be based on merit are totally okay with legacy admission, but that's another point. Second, why meritocracy is a fallacy is because, and this is the most important reason and why I feel so compelled to do this episode, let's say we magically solved the internal or unconscious bias problem. Uh, Not possible, but let's say we did it. Let's say there is no biases when it comes to admissions or uh, hiring practices. It is still a fallacy. For one, merit can be bought. And I'm not talking about bribery or test fixing, although that does happen. Remember a few years ago, the USC admission scandals. Some parents paid a ridiculous amount of money to make sure that their child get a certain SAT score or uh, paid a ridiculous amount of money to get their child into USC through the the athlete's loophole, like set up for them to be admitted because they were athlete, but they were never an athlete. Whole scandal a few years back. So merit could literally be bought, but that is not what I'm referring to when I say merit could be bought. What I mean is that depending on the person's background, their resources, their wealth and or privilege, The path to acquiring merit is dramatically different. When you have resources, wealth, and privilege, you fundamentally have access to different opportunities to pursue those merits. Even just where you lived when you grew up matters a lot. Did you go to a good school or did you go to a school that lacked resources? Did your family have the ability to afford a very prestigious private prep school? Did you have activities after school or did you have to go straight home? Did you have activities to do over the summer? Education research have pointed out that a lot of achievement gaps between students occur over summer because students with resources tend to have activities over summer to sustain their learning, whereas students without those resources, because whether their family couldn't afford it or not, don't have those opportunities to sustain their learning. And therefore, after summer break is where you see the most dramatic academic drop off. Did your family have those resources to have activities for the child over summer? Did you have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from? Did you have to take out loans to go to college? Did you pass up attending a quote unquote better school because of financial reasons? Did you have to work to support yourself through college? This is just the tip of the iceberg of how different privileges and resources mean different access to acquiring this so-called merit. The idea of merit in terms of what's on your resume, what school you went to, what test scores you have, etc., is this hyper-objective measure of a person's ability that applies to everyone equally is ridiculous. For example, I used to teach MCAT and I used to prep pre-meds applying to medical schools. Let's do a thought experiment or just from my personal experience. Let's say there are two hypothetical students. One student spent all three summer months doing nothing but studying for the MCAT and they spend multiple thousands of dollars. These things can be expensive on materials, courses, tutoring, even attending like a crams, study, summer camp. All they're doing is the MCAT over summer. They don't have to worry about any finances or the housing over the summer. They don't have other major responsibilities. They are just studying. That is their full-time responsibility over summer, just studying for the MCAT, and they have all these resources to do it. Let's say there's another student, student number two, because for whatever reason, be it student loans or family responsibilities, they have to work full-time over summer to support themselves. They don't have the money to afford expensive courses or tutors, so they could only buy the self-study prep books, which last time I checked was $100, but things could have changed. Um, They could only self-study part-time on top of a full-time job and other responsibilities. If those two students got the same MCAT score, does that mean the same thing? Look me in the eye, and I know this is the podcast, but look me in the metaphorical eye. You can't seriously believe those two scores describe those two students equally. 
And I want to emphasize this because at some point or at this point, some right wing people have already snapped. I'm not saying that student one didn't work hard. Okay, you could work hard and be privileged. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. This is another right wing propaganda. Yes, you worked hard. Yes, you did put in all those effort to study or to take the test or to prepare for college, whatever. But because of your difference in resources, the race was a bit shorter for you. Working hard and having privilege are not mutually exclusive. I will also say, as someone who didn't get admitted or hired because they chose someone else, I get it. It sucks. I've been there. Everyone has been there. But do not confuse your individual misfortune with a conspiracy. And I also find it ironic that the same people that complain about losing their place to another minority applicant are the same type of people who say life isn't fair. You should pull yourself up by the bootstrap. Anyway, uh, so when people say that they should base things purely on merit. What they are advocating for is a system that gives advantage to those with wealth, resources, or privilege, or if you like to view things from the reverse perspective, disproportionately bars the historically marginalized, discriminated, and oppressed. They are advocating for the preservation of how things used to be. They are not advocating for true fairness. They want people traditionally with privilege to continue to enjoy those privilege. And lastly, and this is an anecdote from Cass, and I wish she was here to tell this story right now, but I like the story, so I'm going to tell it here. When discussing affirmative action, and let's say they're trying to pick a particular candidate, and there's a white candidate and a black candidate, and invariably someone will say something along the lines of like, oh, no, 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 we want to pick the best qualified applicant. We don't want to pick an applicant just because they're black. And the retort to that is, why do you assume the black applicant is underqualified? Like, why would you make that assumption that because they are black, they would be underqualified? And by selecting them, we are selecting an underqualified candidate. And I think this is twofold. One, it's a reflection of internal biases for those people who say that they shouldn't hire someone because of their race, sort of assuming that person of that race is underqualified. And second, it illustrates another myth of affirmative action. People think affirmative action is about admitting people or hiring people who are grossly underqualified for that position. And that is not the case. Affirmative action is about people of equal qualification. You're just taking race into account to adjust for historical disadvantages and discrimination. Anyway, the point is, we live in a deeply unequal society, and different people have access to different opportunities. They just do. And that means that merit inherently is a biased proxy. Again, I'm not going to go into how affirmative action works, and I'm not saying that affirmative action is perfect. Admission and selecting for candidates is a very tricky and difficult process, and I don't have the answer for what the best method is. But what I do know is that we should try. It would be irresponsible to keep things the way it is because things the way it is is unequal and unfair. It's good to hear that there are other programs in place, but to be sure, this Supreme Court decision of student for fair admission versus Harvard is a bad one. Regardless of what affirmative action is, it is a blatant rejection of efforts to make our society a more equitable space. There is value to policies and programs that exist to address discrimination and promote diversity. Diversity is important, diversity is progress, and diversity is innovation. There is inherent value in diversity to make sure that it's not the same group of people that dominates the decision-making process for all of society. We should try to make sure everyone has equal opportunity. And you know what doesn't do that? Following this meritocracy myth. Also, I can't talk about affirmative action without mentioning how the political right manipulates the Asian American community to their side. I have experienced this personally when I was applying to college. Uh, my mom told me one day that 
oh, like affirmative action is bad because they're giving away spots that would normally go to Asian kids to like black and Latino kids. This is a myth. This is categorically untrue because there's practically no evidence for this. The anti-Asian bias is there. There is anti-Asian bias in school admission, but it's not because of affirmative action. And this tactic that the political right use is a distraction because by directing Asian American communities' anger towards affirmative action, they are not actually addressing the real anti-Asian bias in higher education. And this is another classic divide and conquer tactic by pinning one minority group against the other so that the group that is historically the more dominant one stays in that dominant position. There is an article in the show notes below that describes this in more detail. But again, the idea that uh, Asian American community is suffering due to affirmative action is uh, not true. Um, Now, why is this public health? Well, the show is called Everything is Public Health, so I have to tie it back to the theme somehow. The idea of public health is that you want to help everyone. And in order to help everyone, you want to make sure that there are policies and programs in place that don't just disproportionately benefit one group over the other or don't disproportionately discriminate against one group over the other. And that's the spirit of public health. Diversity is an inherently democratic thing because it allows all the different voices to be heard. We live in an unequal society full of systemic racism, misogyny, and class barriers. By failing to acknowledge this in our school admission or hiring practices, when it comes to who is allowed in, to quote Hamilton, the room where it happens, if there is no diversity initiative, not every group will be included in those rooms. And when those voices are not being included, when decision making is happening, the decision making is going to exclude the concerns of those groups. And these policy decisions that we have seen throughout history definitely impacts our health. That's all for now. Season four returns in September. Follow us on Instagram, Mastodon, and Patreon. Twitter is actively melting down right now, but we do post there about our new episodes every week. And remember, everything is public health.